Welcome to the third episode of the Stand For Podcast. So introduce ourselves, we're a youth activism group based in the western of Newcastle called Stanford. Throughout this exciting episode, we will discuss educational and social issues we are passionate about, of inspiring guests from MPs to lawyers to businesswomen. My name is Jessica. And my name is Yakir, and we are both members of the youth activism group. Stanford. To kickstart, we have the pleasure of interviewing the amazing Ciara Church, an inspiring barrister, Graham Scholar and Durham Law graduate, and studying the Bar Vocational course with the Inns of the Court College of Advocacy. Welcome to the podcast, Ciara. Thank you for taking the time to discuss your career with us. To begin, could you introduce yourself and what you stand for? Hi, so yeah, um, I'm Kira, and I studied law at Durham um, and I'm doing the bar vocational course so I'm hoping to start my pupillage next year which is basically like a training year um, you do after you're studying so that you can fully qualify as a barrister. Um, I'm hoping I'm most interested in family law, um, immigration and like civil liberties so that's like people who like um, want to know about their protest rights um, and holding the police accountable, that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, I think I just want to do law because I'm in kind of the privileged position where I've been able to have such a good education and I recognise how difficult the legal system is to use as like a normal person without legal knowledge. So I kind of want to be able to use like the opportunities I've had to help support people, especially vulnerable communities to kind of navigate the legal world um yeah that's me <laughs> what do you stand for what do I stand for I guess I'm most interested in like women's rights um and especially in family law women who single mothers who kind of have a difficult time the legal system have experienced domestic abuse I think there's still a long way to go for the court system to be able to deal fully with um, domestic abuse issues such as like coercive control and understanding like not just physical like being beaten up but the more manipulative side of things and kind of really being able to support families and kids and understanding the impact it's had on them um, so I'd love to be able to do more work with women to kind of help them use the legal system to the best of its capability to kind of support young kids as well. <clears throat> okay, um, myself and Yakin are at the point in our lives where we're looking at different potential career paths and law is something that we're very interested in. Um, we're, we're wondering what is that inspired you to study and practice law? Was it, in a pers- was it a person in your life, a TV show, or did you like stumble across it? Um... I only really decided I wanted to do law probably six months before the UCAS applications <laughs> um, had to go out. I, I wasn't that kid who was like, this is what I wanted to do from birth um, kind of thing. My dad's a lawyer in construction, so I had that exposure to it um, from an early age. So I kind of understood what the job was. Um, but then when it got around to applying for uni, I just thought... I'm always been interested in like crime tv shows criminal law um I went to my local courts to kind of see if I I want to do that and I just thought yeah it's a, it's a good degree I'm interested in all the modules 
um, we'll give it a go. So as a recent Durham um, University Law School graduate, we were hoping you could shed some light on the application process to UK law schools. Like, how did you find the UCAS application um, process and with LNAT? And do you have any advice for us and any of our listeners who are interested in a career in law? Yeah, so I think when I was looking, whilst I did decide quite late that I wanted to do law, um, I made sure to look at the modules, um, the optional modules, because every law student has to do six, I think, compulsory modules to qualify um, as a, a lawyer. You can have a non-qualifying degree, but if you're doing a degree, you might as well qualify with a qualifying degree. Um, so I took a look at the other modules. I was quite interested in human rights and international law. So I wanted to make sure that where I was going had those modules available. Um, and I had to do the LMAT, which was the entrance exam. I'd say definitely don't let the LMAT stop you from applying from certain unis. It's, it's something you have to do. It's a challenge, but it's not the worst exam in the world. Like it's relatively straightforward and in the, the brutalist way, if you're going to be doing law school, and you're going to get through law school, you're smart enough to get through that exam. Like you'll be completely fine. It's not something to worry about. Um, and I can't remember which unis you need it for, but it's just like really random ones. Um, but don't let that stop you applying for any university that you really want to go to. Um, and I think, yeah, like when you're doing your UCAS forms, definitely just show why you're interested in that subject and what you've done to show that interest. I think I'm reading back my old personal statement. It's like, oh my God, why did I write this? I sound so cringy. Um, but it is just important to show, you know what degree you're going to be studying and you're interested in it. Um, and for me, I think everyone applies to different unis based on what they think they can get and what they think they can't get. I think definitely have a safe option, have a, this is the dream. And then with the three in the middle, they should all range within that um, because you should aim high. Like what's the worst that can happen, especially if you have one or two safe options that you're pretty confident about. You can only go to one uni and you have five choices. So you might as well use them and think, yeah, I can get that. I'm going to write a great personal statement and you'll be fine. Um, during your time at university, did you have like any particular modules or areas of study of law that you enjoyed the most? Did you undertake any extracurricular activities related to law? Um, so I love family law. That's what got me interested in family law. I thought it was really interesting um, how we were taught it. It really was, you could kind of trace kind of women's rights through um, women's liberation, kind of through the um, access to divorce, um, kind of the development in divorce law of how they split assets and stuff, uh, which I always found really interesting um, academically. I ironically found the children's side of family law less interesting, even though that's what I want to do. Um, I really enjoyed the adult um, modules and learning about um, um, civil partnerships and the move to equal marriage. Um, I found that really interesting. Um, cohabitation, so couples who decide not to get married but live together, what kind of rights they have, I just found all really interesting. Um, and I love the international stuff. 
public international fancy issues and in international legal governance. So that all looks at kind of how states are made, what counts as a state, um, war, the laws of war, that kind of thing. So what can you and can you not do um, where you can fight, how targeting works? Because um, as technology increases, it's really interesting to understand what you're allowed to do as a state. Um, and like, I'm explaining this so badly, <laughs> but like in, in a, like a war context, most wards these days are in civilian settings. So targeting and technology is so important because you can't, well, you, people do, but you can't just kill a load of people in hospitals. You can't target civilians, but kind of understanding the laws of warfare and how states get around them or comply with them. I find all that really, really interesting. Um, and I did pro bono work. So most law students have the opportunity to do pro bono work and I'd 100% recommend it. Um, it kind of allows you to see what you're doing academically in practice. I worked for a group um, and we supported a man who'd been convicted of manslaughter to do his appeal. Um, I don't think we were successful. <laughs> a lot of pro bono groups, they're really interesting. But that student groups, they're very unorganized. Um, but it is interesting to kind of to see how someone on the other side has interpreted their experience going through the legal system and what they think the issues are and what they think they should be appealing on the basis of. So our guy was quite convinced the police were just against him and it was all a bit of a conspiracy. But from our side as law students, we were like, we can't argue that. We have to argue legal points. Um, so kind of going through what he was saying and kind of trying to identify what points we could use and then put it into the form um, was super interesting. And I was part of Durham Law Society, which is more of a social group. I was a human rights officer. So I put on some interesting events um, to see what human rights research our professors were doing and that kind of thing. Um, and I think it's really good to be involved in groups like that, especially in um, unis like Durham where most of your friends aren't on your course it's really nice to kind of like hang out with people who are on your course and understand what you're going through so you can all can complain and vent about certain lecturers and different modules um, that was really nice. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your desiration and your motivation for writing it? So my dissertation was called what was it called? Generations of Terror. And it basically was a critical study of counter-terror measures regarding young people, drawing the troubles in Northern Ireland and comparing them to radicalization cases in the family courts. I'm aware that probably means nothing to you guys. Um, but it was basically trying to understand whether we'd learn anything from how we handled the trouble situation, how young people and children got involved in terrorism at a really young age in Northern Ireland and seeing if we're doing anything differently um, for children who were in contact with ISIS and were in the family courts because their parents were, or they were believed to be being radicalized on what the family courts were doing to kind of stop that from happening, stopping the radicalization from occurring. Um, and kind of understanding the importance of education, having open discussions and kind of tolerance in society as 
better measures than the standard counterterrorism measures. Um, because I think a lot of it, a lot of the measures are based on kind of separating children and kind of having quite strict prevent measures instead of what I think would be a bit better of kind of having a greater understanding of why kids are attracted to the terrorism movements and understanding how we can encourage them to immerse back into main civil society um, than just being like, no, <laughs> stop being a terrorist, which I don't think has really worked for anyone. Um, does that make sense as a dissertation? Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, we've heard you have your own law podcast. Could you tell us a bit more about this and how can we listen to it? Um, yeah, so it's called Raising the Bar, and I took over hosting it from um, a student at the Association of Grey's Inn. So when you finish your law degree, if you want to be a barrister, you have to become a member of one of the four inns. Um, so I chose Grey's Inn, and it has a student society, uh, which I'm the publicity officer of, so I got involved in it that way. And... I interview different barristers, find out what their journey to the bar was like, what work they're doing, interesting cases. And we also interview people kind of to get a greater idea of the lifestyle of a barrister. So being self-employed, what's that like? How do you manage your finances? Or um, if you're a woman, how do you navigate being pregnant and having a family at the bar? Um, Most recent ones I did focused on kind of facility in law so both cases what cases are happening to kind of involved in climate change but also practicing how do we make sure we're kind of contributing to being the solution having paperless practices so not having the kind of stereotypical massive bundles of paper carrying them around court everywhere but the move to utilizing technology so that we don't have to do that um, and I interviewed a great girl called Crash and she's transgender and we kind of talked about um, her journey to the bar and her experiences and how we can be less of the traditional bar um, but kind of include people from a range of different backgrounds so yeah that's what our podcast about but yeah you can listen to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, I think it's basically everywhere um, but yeah it's super interesting. Um, so the Stanford Youth Group are a very diverse group of young people and given this, we face our own individual challenges. Firstly, we would like to ask whether you experienced any challenges and secondly, what do you think the primary barriers are for young women and people of colour accessing a career in law? Um, I think I've been quite lucky. I don't think I've experienced too many challenges. I went straight from, I went to a state school, went straight to um, Durham Uni and then straight to the bar course so my journey has been pretty smooth sailing um, at the moment so I don't think I've ever been aware of not being able to do something because I'm a, a girl and because I'm a person of colour I, I think in individual interactions along the way I've had moments where I'm like oh I don't like that <laughs> um, I don't think I've luckily faced any massive challenge in that regard I think I'm also lucky to be at a time where um, there is a push for making sure that we are including people at the bar I think 
the higher up you go, the more challenges there are, especially for women. So at undergraduate level, I think there are even more girls than boys in my year. And then at the bar, it's still, there's a lot of girls. We're not like a big minority. Um, but then as you go up to being a senior barrister and in QC, it, it is fewer and fewer. Um, the recent allocation of QCs, there were 50% women and that's the first year that's happened. So I think I'm at a time where it is very progressive and people are doing a lot to ensure that women can stay in the bar. Um, as, you, as you get older, I guess there are more family commitments and women are more likely to want to raise a family or be physically pregnant and have to leave the, the careers which can stop them from climbing as high as men in some ways. But at the moment, I haven't had that to worry about. Um, personally, I think as a girl, maybe, I think there's a tendency, if I see a job description, I'm kind of like, oh, am I right for it? Kind of the imposter syndrome of, I don't know whether I should go for that. And I think as a personal challenge, it's important to always apply just because you don't fill 100% of the requirements, there are definitely men applying who don't fill 80% of the requirements, I think. And a lot of feedback I get on applications I do are own up to what you've done. So there's a tendency kind of to be like, we did this and we did that if I've been working in a team. But in an application, you've got to, you've got to persuade them to employ you. It's not about the other people in your team. So to kind of use the word I more, um, and assert yourself and take ownership of achievements, whether or not there are other people helping you in application settings. I think that's a challenge that I've had to recognize is to kind of make sure that you're applying for things. Um, on studying, actually, I was doing a piece of research on women in mediation. Um, and I thought, I've always remembered that one of the arguments was women are seen to the positive additions to mediation because of kind of the kind caring attributes that are associated with women um, but that shouldn't be a condition of women being a mediation so kind of being like yeah I can bring an awareness of women's issues and I can bring my caring attitude if I do happen to have one but that's not a condition of me being perfect for this role um, I should be allowed in regardless of you thinking I can bring traditional female stereotype um, attributes. And I think that's kind of important, kind of being like, actually, I should just be here because I'm great. Instead of, I should be here because I can bring these female or diversity kind of attributes to the role, if that makes any sense. <laughs> um, um, is there anything you wish you knew before studying law? Um, I think you're very busy as a law student and doing law, it does take over your life a little bit, um, especially at this stage. I was asked if I had any hobbies recently by a mentor and I was like, no, <laughs> like if I have free time, I'm sleeping or watching Netflix or trying to hang out with a friend, um, which I think they should be counted as hobbies, to be honest, but I don't think they are. Um, but it's easy to be like, everything I do must be for my CV or I have to do all this pro bono hearing. Um, but I think it's good to not get up into it and kind of take that step back and realize it's not your entire life. Um, 
oh upgrade um and i think it, yeah because there are going to be long hours and there's a stereotype of everyone's very smart everyone's aiming for the top paying jobs especially at durham uni there's a push for everyone to kind of be corporate solicitors and i think don't get caught up in the expectations of law school um do what you love within law and you'll be fine but i think it's important to kind of stay doing what you believe in and what you want to do and not get caught up in the law um, rhetoric of kind of you have to be in these top paying jobs and you have to do this and you should be at this stage at this age. Um, I think before I did law, well, it's good to be aware of how competitive it is and that you're going to be pushed in certain directions and just to be prepared to be like, actually, no, this is what I want to do and I'm going to do it. Um, so lastly, is there any advice you'd give to young people and our listeners about pursuing a career in law? Um, I think on, based on what I was saying before, I think it's really important to kind of take your time with it, um, which is quite ironic because I've literally gone straight through the system and I've taken no time. Um, but I think there's a real pressure to kind of achieve everything by a certain age and be the youngest person to do all these things. And I don't, I think that's a bit unhealthy. I don't think you need to. Um, I think getting life experience, like maybe doing a different degree at the undergrad and doing the conversion course, um, not having to rush through pupillage or traineeships or thinking I have to get a training contract in my last year of university or or whatever it is at a certain age is really important um, because you have so much time. There are so many people on my course who this is their second career or they're like 26 and they've had a few years out to kind of just calm down and do something else. Um, or if you need to get a job for a few years to pay for your training, like you shouldn't ever think, oh no, I, I'm not where I should be because you are where you should be because that's what you're doing. Um, so if you're not in like the privileged position where you can just um, spend all your time being a law student and you do need to work and do other things or you want to do other things and you're not sure law is for you, I don't think you need to rush through it. Um, and because it, it often seems like you do, like you have to love law and this has to be your life. It really doesn't. Like if you're kind of a bit of a maybe person, and you want to keep your options open, you should do that and you should explore all the options before you commit yourself um, fully to doing law because it is a commitment. Well, um, thank you, Kiara. For yeah, thank you for taking the time to ask our question. It has been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for inviting me on. Thank you.